Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So, let us begin. Mysterious message. A transmission has been intercepted far beyond the outer rim, deep in the Krillithium system. Why the call has been made and from where cannot be established. But buried in the message is a Jedi distress code that has not been used in over 2,000 years. Obi-Wan Kenobi, Anakin Skywalker, and his Padawan Ahsoka are sent to investigate. Fearing a Separatist trap, they are to meet with a heavily armed Jedi cruiser. So the first episode of the Clone Wars Mortis arc begins with a, a frequency or a mysterious message being found uh, and then being the Jedi being sent out to a rendezvous point to rendezvous with some clones. Uh, it's Anakin, Obi-Wan and Ahsoka. Uh, they're at the exact same point as the clones, but the clones can't see them and they can't see the clones, but they see this strange uh, planet that is kind of, uh, I don't really know, just a giant cube on its side, uh, you could say. And then a giant uh, flashing white light as they're pulled towards the, the cube and they wake up uh, on this uh, on this planet called Mortis. Right. Uh, and they have no idea how they landed safely, but the atmosphere is breathable. As they step outside, they're like looking around, trying to identify where they are. They're not able to do so. Uh, but pretty soon they meet this strange woman. Uh, she kind of comes to Anakin first and then uh, all at once they're able to to see her, I guess. She's curious uh, if Anakin is the chosen one and the heroes don't really let on at first, but she offers to take them to see uh, her father, and on the way there, there's a sort of uh, uh, divine strike, like a, a landslide of sorts, and she says, this is the work of my brother. You're immediately inclined to think this brother is up to badness, and so Obi-Wan and Ahsoka uh, decide to turn around and go back to their ship, and Anakin continues on with this woman. While they're back at the ship, uh, Anakin... Um is off with this woman. Uh, he's trying to, to chase her down. Um, uh, Obi-Wan and Ahsoka don't know why the ship isn't there, uh, but then this dark figure comes. They assume that he's a Sith. He puts away their lightsabers and tells them to uh, find cover during the night. Uh, Anakin, all the while, is chasing down uh, the location of uh, the father of this woman, whom she said is the one who's interested in speaking with her. Uh, and he's able to see that he clearly needs to go to this giant monastery on a cliff because it is the most, it's calling to him through the force. And it's also a little obvious that that's where he has to go. That night, our heroes are all separately visited by Spirits 3. Uh, Obi-Wan uh, gets a visit from interestingly, his old master, Qui-Gon, and that's quite heartening. Ahsoka is visited by a projection of herself in the future, giving a sort of uh, message of warning. And then most importantly, Anakin is visited by his mother, the ghost of Shmi, or so he thinks. There's something sort of demonic about the exchange. And she's also warning him uh, that if he should continue on with Padme, it will continue him on his path to the dark side. Uh, and so... Uh, Anakin is getting a bad vibe from this place. He decides to confront the father, who he now suspects is a Sith, uh, and the father divulges that this like spiritual triumvirate, him and his two children, uh, they kind of transcend layman force terms like Sith and Jedi. They're uh, much more complex than that. 
Yes, and that he uh, tells Anakin that he too is much more complex than that and that he would like to put him to the test. Anakin doesn't seem all that interested, uh, but we cut to then Ahsoka and Obi-Wan getting picked up by his children. And so uh, the the trial begins. Uh, Anakin doesn't want to do the test, but because uh, the father is so curious, he wants to see if Anakin is indeed the chosen one. Uh, and then tells his children to to kill uh, Ahsoka and Obi-Wan uh, and Anakin to choose which one to save. Uh, and then Anakin, uh, under the advisement uh, of, of his master, uh, centers himself and uh, taps into the, the virgins of the, the planet's force. Uh, and then from there, um, calms both the brother and the, both the, sorry, both the son and the daughter, uh, a lot, forcing them to release Anakin and sorry, forcing them to release Obi-Wan and Ahsoka, uh, and then ultimately f- forcing them to reform back to their normal human uh, shapes as well. He, he controls them. He is able to fully balance uh, their extreme dark and extreme light uh, and then thus prove to the father that he is the chosen one by being uh, the only other being in the galaxy to be able to uh, control these manifestations of the dark side and the light side. Uh, the father then asks Anakin to stay, uh, and Anakin says, no thanks. <laughs> that's right. This place gives me all kinds of heebie-jeebies. Me and my friends are absolutely leaving here, and that's how the episode ends. Now, this is a three-part arc, and this is so exciting because the hype is large. You've been talking about the Mortis arc on the podcast for basically as yes. long as we've been doing the podcast, and so I'm excited to finally get to it. Um, and it's so interesting to, to come to this story with as much cursory knowledge as I have, because really I'm not getting a whole lot of new stuff in this episode that you haven't at some point explained to me in varying degrees of detail, but to see it, um, uh, materialized is really cool. And something I really liked about this episode is, uh, how insular it is. Like we, we're really not dealing with too much intergalactic um, uh, politics. And, th- and there's like a lot of that in the Clone Wars. And that's good. That's what makes the prequel era it's a good. bottle episode. But it's absolutely a bottle episode. And the bottle is this whole planet that's this bizarre black prism in a, like a totally different corner of the galaxy. Um, and on it exists this really interesting, deeply biblical dy- dynamic of power that uh, is yet another thing that's trying to get a hold of Anakin's uh, godly power. And, and so it's, it's really cool to get to see it. I didn't realize that Ahsoka had a part in, in the Mortis arc. Yes, and she has she has a huge part in, in the Mortis arc, as as you will see. And that's they all have huge parts. That's just what's so essential is um, uh, things are done in threes, just like things are done in many stories. Like you said, uh, the ghosts three, but the characters three, uh, and then also as Qui Gon said with his great line, um, "This planet is both uh, an amplifier and a magnet." three are here who seek Skywalker. They, like me, believe him to be the chosen one. Ah. Um, but in, in that same vein, it's three who arrive, and it's, um, it's it's very much following these these rhyming patterns that Star Wars is so key with, and it is a three-part arc. Um, it is done trilogy style, uh, and like you said, yeah, it is, it's a bottle uh, arc, and it's 
it, it requires you to know Ahsoka a little bit. So that's good that you've seen enough Ahsoka at this point. Um, and I, f- I figured you definitely appreciate seeing some Shmi Skywalker yes. uh, and Qui-Gon Jinn. Uh, but having those kind of like visions and those kind of those, those three, uh, like you said, they're, they're, they're done in different ways. Um, and one of them, I think there is, I have some interpretation of, of one of them still that I'd be curious, curious to chat with you. What were you going to say there? Well, I have a lot of things to say. And, and uh, just to nitpick, we don't just get to see Qui-Gon and Shmi Skywalker. We get to hear Liam Neeson and Pernilla August, which is like yes, a we do. really nice flex that they brought those folks in. As soon as I heard Qui-Gon's voice, I was like, there's just no way that's not Liam Neeson. And so I looked it up and I was just so thrilled. Um, well, I wanted to talk to you about about the dichotomy of, of good and bad in Star Wars, which is like routinely a theme. And though simplistic, it's important in basically all Star Wars stories. You're either good or you're bad, and maybe you think you're bad and and actually you're good or vice versa. But like it's uh, they're always about the light and the dark. And like this episode literally has some Star Wars version of like a yin yang symbol on the floor. Um yeah. And so, obviously, we're 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 literalizing that good bad dynamic here on Mortis. Uh, it's called Mortis, right? That's the name of the planet. I don't know if they say that in this first episode, but it's that seemed um, inferable. Um, the other obvious conclusion to draw through that lens is that the brother is evil because he is all black and he does this act of aggression as we meet him, and then the sister wears all white and she seems hospitable. So she must be good. Is it as simple as that? Or really, is there quite a uh, nefarious agenda among all three of them? Uh, No, there's not necessarily a nefarious agenda among all three. But Qui-Gon is definitely right in saying that three are here who seek Skywalker. They they do all want him for something. Yeah. um, Because they are all pure manifestations of one thing. Ah. And that's why Anakin is that's why Anakin is so important in particular is because he is the chosen one. He's the balance. And so uh, I, I, I think it, it must be the father who says it, that you, you can't have all uh, light and, and dark and or else the, the universe would go into disarray or whatever exactly True. he says. Um, but in that same vein, a lot a lot of the time when you talk about uh, balance in Star Wars, people confuse um, like, oh, well, uh, balance, that should mean equal number of Sith and Jedi. Well, well, well no. <laughs> um, it, there is a, a difference between perverting the force and allowing uh, a natural sense of things to happen and for choice to still occur as well. Uh, and so the, the will of the, the natural force um can be good, but it can be aggressively good. Uh, and so what I was also kind of saying is kind of, I wanted a little bit, and this is, uh, this is something I, I just particularly was kind of focused on in this viewing uh, was yes, we know for sure that Shmi is the sun. That is the sun manifesting himself. Yeah. Um, a la spoiler alert f- um, f- for, f- uh, no, I'm not going to spoiler alert for lost fans. I'll uh, <laughs> smoke monster, man, black sort of stuff. Right. Um, but uh, that is what the sun is, is, is doing here to a T. Uh, the planet is such a strong nexus in the force. That's what allows Obi-Wan to see Qui-Gon. 
Okay, see, that's that's a, that is different from they're like all receiving these parallel visitations. It's actually just a coincidence they that they all see something that appears to be similar when that's really not the case. Because like, I I was trying to figure out where Qui Gon fit into this trilogy trilogy of of visits because clearly Anakin is okay. If it's not the brother, he is being visited by some manifestation of his internal guilt. So like something is being drawn out of his heart, which is, you know, mm. the fact that his mother died and he wasn't able to save her. And also he acted like an animal when he exacted uh, revenge. Um, and so Shmi comes and she hisses at him and that's his internal struggle. And then I don't know that much about Ahsoka, but her visit from herself from the future also mm. feels like a deep-seated anxiety of that character. It's like, what am I going to become? Is this going to work out for me? Is it going to be okay? And also, my master, who I love, clearly he's uh, on a dangerous path as well. Should I be concerned about him? And then Obi-Wan's visit from Qui-Gon does not seem so rooted in anxiety as that he just gets to see his old friend and and receives some sage advice which you know we're all open to at all times um so it's interesting i'm not sure that i was able to interpret on this single viewing that the shmi or what appeared to be shmi was literally the the brother but i guess it makes sense in hindsight Yes, and uh, I'm glad you see the Qui-Gon one is different because that's something that I view differently on this one uh, was that I'm also not sure if the daughter wasn't playing uh, a bit of a, like, like one of those like kind of like morally and like twisted tricks on Ahsoka. Like was the daughter influencing Ahsoka's mind in her in her vision, in her dream? to give her this warning for the greater good of the galaxy. Right, yeah. And ultimately, that is the the light side of the Force's will. But it is the light side of the Force's will trying to force it upon someone else because it's in this converged place where nobody, and even, um, uh, I, th I think it's Qui-Gon who says, um, if, the, if, if Anakin is not the chosen one, this is a very dangerous place for him to be. Right. Uh, Obi-Wan and Ahsoka are there and yeah. they're not the chosen ones. And it's very dangerous for them to be there because they don't have the same control over the force. The force has way more control over them. Mm -hmm. And so then you can also view Qui-Gon's one like, well, is Qui-Gon's like Qui-Gon's is the more true manifestation of the force presenting itself. You could almost say, oh, that's kind of like the father, but no, it's, it's just more, just a more balanced version of the force is representing itself um, to Obi-Wan in the same way that Qui-Gon's able to manifest himself only on Mortis because the force is so strong there. Yeah. So what it's, kind I of, it, it, it's one of these self-fulfilling prophecies with all these different like gears working together to make like all of this possible. It's, it's very heady. I did hope you could clarify that though. Cause we've talked about it before. And like the fact that Qui-Gon can't necessarily come back in force ghost form mm -hmm. the way Ben Kenobi does to Luke. Uh, yeah. But he is able to do it seemingly very naturally here and I think in full like head to toe form and so it, it's just that the that the force is is so potent on on Mortis absolutely and in that same way that the first time Qui-Gon was able to commune 
was when Yoda went to Dagobah because Dagobah is also strong in the force, right. but because Mortis is the strongest embodiment of the force in the universe, Qui-Gon's able to fully manifest himself without even really knowing how to. Uh, just the force is so strong there that that's why Obi-Wan's able to commune directly with him and not with like necessarily these, all these trickeries, because at this right. point also Qui-Gon is the only Jedi in history to have been able to manifest his conscience beyond death. Well, then why is Obi-Wan not more gobsmacked to experience it here? Because of just Zen. being a good Jedi. <laughs> being, yeah, it really like he's like Zen. It, it's, it's, he hasn't been, like he is gobsmacked when Yoda tells him in the end of kind of Revenge of the Sith that like he'll be able to learn to commune with Qui-Gon, but I don't think he trusts it necessarily. Here. Right. I think he sees this more as like a, like a dream sequence or, um, well, he, he has good reason to not sure to not really believe everything he's seeing at this crazy crazy planet right. like for example the the floating rocks i really love that that there's just in the sky giant floating rocks because that is a manifestation of what we think of when we think of the force like it's even joked yeah. about in the last jedi right about like lifting rocks and that stuff that was even that that mindset kind of thought process that we all like it just seems so natural to think about that's being just manifested directly in the physical atmosphere to make you think of the force that this entire place just has so much force around it that it lifts rocks on its own. Um, oh, that's awesome. It been, yeah. And it would have been so damn cool to be able to see that environment in the rise of sky or duel of the fates, which was going to be a duel of the fates. Right. And there would have been skywalking. Whereas they would have been able to walk between these giant masses just directly across the sky because the force would have been so strong. Oh, to you know how we've talked before about how like, I want to see a lightsaber duel on the beach or I want to see one on some like ice floats or something, man, just to yeah. see people literally walking on the sky. Where has that been all these years? I love that idea. Yeah. That's imagine talk about the rise of Skywalker. Seriously. Like, like but any of the, like, like that is how you do like a, a real, Hey, George Lucas, we want to change the game again. Yeah. Like, like, like what John Favreau, like what the volume is doing, right. like changing the game. It's never too late. It's never too late. Uh, I want to talk no. about the theme of guilt. The fortune cookie at the start uh, of this episode yeah. says balance is found in the one who faces his guilt. Um, I mentioned guilt in, guilt in reference to Anakin uh, seeming to, to get this visit from his mother because of, you know, all of the, the Tusken Raider stuff. And then, also, in his trial, where he has to rescue both of his friends simultaneously, the father is expressly talking about guilt, like, give in to your mm. guilt. Uh, so he is clearly aware of what Anakin is uh, dealing with on some level. Why is guilt so important to Mortis or to Anakin? It's not the only emotion that drives his, his fear and anger. No, I don't necessarily think it drives his fear and anger. I think it's a reaction to his fear and anger and his inability to forgive his guilt doesn't allow him to go back on the steps. Yep. It's almost like he's okay. I've taken the step of the of fear. I've taken the step of anger. Uh, and then you take the step to hate. You take the step, the step to suffering. He, he won't let himself go back down the steps. Yes. He won't forgive himself of the guilt. He still holds on to that same guilt. And that guilt drives 
in that same cycle again, the fear of losing Padme because he's guilty about not being strong enough to save his mother. And thus he then needs to be fearful of his lack of power to not be able to save Padme. And then it just, it, it creates the cycle over and over for himself. And because he can't let it go, his inability to let go of his guilt is really what it should be saying more in full. Um, but the guilt is what the sun is manipulating because guilt is a, is a dark side emotion or not necessarily a dark side emotion, but it is an emotion the dark side preys on. Right. Okay. Well said. All right. I don't have any more big thematic questions or curiosities. I'll just say again that I thought the design of Mortis was so great. Yeah, the floating rocks is really cool. There was a, like a, a, a serious fantasy video game quality, like a Skyward Sword mm. or like a Fable kind of quality to the design of the landscape. And then also the sister in particular, like she has a real... Um, mm -hmm. I don't know, Xbox 360 kind of look, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah absolutely. E even era-wise, um, I, I actually, I thought there were a couple scenes, and this is one of the first times I've watched, and this is easily the arc I've seen the most in the Clone Wars. I've seen it a, a dozen times uh, or so, but it, uh, it was one of the first times in which I've seen, I saw a couple shots, and I was like, oh, that actually looks a little rough. That looks a little Xbox 360. That, that yeah. looks of the era, because in reality, it's it was always uh, slightly uh, above uh, the era. It was always very impressive animation-wise, but it just it, go, it puts in context how incredible Season 7 eventually got to, too. Was this arc considered a big moment for the show as it was happening? Do you know? Like, is this thought back upon as, like, the best of the best with the Clone Wars? And the most yes, canonically significant? It, it, most canonically significant, absolutely. I was saying to you, it's definitely a top 10 most important Skywalker story. Yeah. And so when you consider the fact that we have nine movies of them, um, and I mean, yeah, we have, we, have, we have nine movies, and I don't know where you would put Mortis in there, but I would definitely say it, it is when it comes to the significance, especially on Anakin's life, uh, and Anakin's The Prophecy and understanding the importance of that character uh, fits in there in the top 10. Not everybody has, I guess, the same feelings about it, but it's extremely highly rated. Uh, it's considered by most people to be one of the better arcs. Uh, it's one of the most highly involved of George Lucas of any of the arcs uh, in terms of the amount of uh, behind the scenes work and prep that went into it. Uh, and there's so much more that comes in these next two episodes too. Uh, this is one is great for setting the stage, but there is, there are some really uh, interesting, there are things that I've already talked to you about that you'll be, I'm curious yeah. to know if you, you remember or are curious to know when they'll show up per se. Um, but do you want to, did you do any like uh, quotes? Did you write anything down in that regard? I just or? have a couple of quotes written down because it was a very well scripted episode just in terms of dialogue. Like, and I've often found this to be true about the animated series is that the language is written like just quite poetically and nice. You could really get mm. yourself into a trap of like writing down the entire script again, just because it sounds good melodically. Um, but a couple of quotes I have, um, enough with the riddles, old man, tell me what's going on here. I just thought that kind of had like a good vibe to it. Um, nothing ever really dies, my son. It's nice that that kind yeah. of popped up. I thought that was important. Absolutely. Um, the only love I feel in my heart is haunted by what would happen should I let go. Is like, is rich and again, like quite quite melodic and there's a lot, there's a lot of words in that sentence, um, but it's also a, a true um, admission 
of Anakin's like deep seated anxiety, which he doesn't always vocalize. And so that's kind of important. Mm. Um, Be warned, you may never see your future if you remain his student. And that's what uh, Ahsoka says to herself. And I thought it was well phrased as well. Yeah, I had to write down um, just to differentiate in my notes. I wrote her down as old Soka. Old Soka. Uh, (laughs) So I thought that was appropriate. Um, And the line I wrote down from her was, there are many contradictions in you and in him. Mm. And I think that is an important line and one that uh, really is incredibly important to Ahsoka's journey, especially when you realize the reasons or, or when she realize when she realizes the reasons to leave the Jedi order, uh, later on, um, she's, she's framed for murder and, um, terrorism. Uh, and then she chooses and they say like, Oh, guess we were wrong, but that's your Jedi trials. And she's like, no, nah, I'm leaving. Uh, oh, interesting. So, so, so where, Anakin left the Jedi Order, obviously, in, you know, (laughs) questionable ways. He did so philosophically based on uh, disagreements he had with the way. Um, And Ahsoka just kind of did it out of spite, like she didn't feel welcome anymore. No, 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 not that at all. Uh, It's the fact that it was so bureaucratic in the way that the entire process was dealt with. And the fact that it was not reliant on the, the, like it, it was, she was, she was prosecuted. Yeah. Uh, she, she was treated like a, like a war criminal for a war crime and the Jedi are peacekeepers. And it, like, it was, it was a frame job and the whole thing, like the Jedi council were not supportive through the process. They kind of threw her under the bus, uh, Mace Windu in particular. It's the, it's the, it's one of the big arcs for being like, I'm a bit of a Mace Windu apologist from time to time, but it's one of the arcs that if you like, you, you kind of can't deny it. He's like just a, a, a dick in this oh, arc. He can be for sure. Sometimes. Oh, and he, he, he totally can be. Uh, and Yoda's negligent as well. Uh, but Anakin is really the only one who has her back. And it's another one of those huge nails in the coffin right. for Anakin being like, what the hell Jedi order? I mean, you give me this Padawan to train and then you hang her out to dry. And then like, it's just another instance of um, Anakin feeling kind of duped by the council and not trusted by the council or uh, questioning the council's motives. But this is Ahsoka also kind of showing the contradictions in terms of the, the Jedi in general are hypocrites at this time. Right. And if you say you want to be the greatest Jedi and you say your master is the greatest Jedi and, you, and you're doing all these things for the right reasons and whatnot, are all the Jedi doing these for the right reasons by staying with the Jedi order? Is that the right reason? And so uh, that is a, a, an extremely um, foreshadowing line for Ahsoka's journey uh, and just, just a, a, a great one. But well, that, uh, that sequence is, is a, is, so cool in, in the cave with, with those back-to-back visions. It's good to get more background about Ahsoka because obviously she entered our lives as Star Wars fans in a more cinematic way recently, and that's just about to be developed even further. And so for us to understand that she has this history as like a uh, peaceful, conscientious objector of the Jedi mm-hmm. Order, is it's important and that like she had to go out on her own. Um, th- this, is, this feels to me like a pretty important... Uh, bit of background for that character any other quotes that you wanted to make sure we hit upon 
Yeah, uh, but just kind of on that note in particular, I, I don't. I'm sure other. I'm sure other people have said it, but I've always felt that Ahsoka is the spiritual successor to Qui Gon in yeah. Star Wars. Nice. Okay, she, she fills that void very much, uh, and also the relationship with Anakin on being the right person to be the Padawan, the right person to be the master, but he needed the right master in order to be the right Padawan to her and in order for all the Jedi order to go. But they're, they're essentially uh, both his Padawan and master were the, were the perfect examples of Jedi. If only he could have been. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's well said. Uh, But yeah, the daughter, uh, are you the one that being her first one there? Uh, and then Obi-Wan and Anakin's response to her being like, hello, and who are you? <laughs> just being uh, like immediately smitten, just to essentially just convey to the audience that she's, as I'm assuming, supposed to be like just beautiful. And yes. Just Angelic perfect. radiant. She, yeah, e- exactly. Uh, oh, yeah, very much. Are you an angel? That would. Oh, damn. Why couldn't they have done that again, Anakin? Why couldn't you have said something similar? Are you an angel? Oh, that would have been. <laughs> yeah, that would have been too. That would have been too on the nose, but that would have been, that would have been pretty funny. Yeah, it would have been cute. Um, and we thought the planet was strange. How about this one? Um, we are the ones who guard the power. We are the middle, the beginning, and the end. That's important. I mean, it seems like it's it's certainly very heavy. That kind of a yeah. prophecy. That one's interesting. If you look at that one, is actually. Oh, that's a, this is another can of worms. I've talked about the world between worlds before. Yes. And the world between worlds is the the way for time travel within Star Wars. And it's mortis adjacent. Uh, I understand that. It is it, it, exactly. Yeah. It's mortis adjacent. And that is really all we need to say. And that the world between worlds uh, is definitely something when they say that they're the we're the ones who guard the power or the beginning, the middle and the end. Um that is very much kind sure, of yeah. speaking of of time and space time continuum, oh, and um, they have the ability to to see all of that. And this is really what Anakin is turning away. Mm-hmm. It, this very much is like they're they're gods. Yes. Um, and so it wasn't clear in the Duel of the Fate script uh, that that was what Kylo Ren's goal was, but I think it would is probably going to be made clear in the movie that essentially his goal was to become a God was to become God. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah. That was it, not clear. No. Well, no, 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 it wasn't. It, it, it was totally not done at all in the rise of Skywalker. Um, but that's, if that had been what his, cause they said he was seeking something at the altar, like mm-hmm. at, at, in Mortis, uh, Mortis's power, which essentially would be to become God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, that's it, it creates like a whole like holy like that's a, a, a very religious theme being pulled into the the films uh, and really tying back to the prequels again. And well, so I mean, it, it would have been nice, but just the fact that this this planet feels like an Eden of sorts, and obviously yeah. it's it's not it's not without um, darkness and. Uh, because, like, you know, if it, if it was Genesis, there would be no problems. And there are problems on Mortis. And there is, like, clearly a, a, a vein of, of, of violence and, and panic. And, and, it, and the evil seems to be very, very potent uh, upon first look. Um, but, but, yes, there's, there's a very clear uh, biblical dynamic. 
That's very, very obvious. And, and Octo is is similar to that. And that's what I like about, uh, about Octo. And that's what I also like about the fact that Exical heals itself at yes. the end. That I'm so curious to know what that's going to be like. Very similar to the way Moose. And I, I'm sure that's why they did it. Because when they found, oh, Mustafar heals itself. And we can make it kind of like have trees growing on it in um, the beginning of the movie. Then we'll have Exical heal itself as well. And so it, it's cool to be able to kind of have these 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 different takes um but it shows the stronger it is in the living force the more life and death there's going to be and so you need to have like it, it just it's moving at such a rapid pace it's also like very briefly mentioned and not exactly illustrated that on mortis the seasons change with the minutes and i find that to be so interesting like that that sort of suggests a very rapid evolution of time and they're able to pick up on it right away and in the same sentence they also take note of the fact that there are no animals around and so like it's a lush landscape there is life here but like why are there no other creatures here it's otherwise such a wasteland they're not strong enough to live is my hypothesis that that. makes sense yeah uh in in the same way that everything is a being of the force well but that's so weird because everything is a being of the force and so like the force is not oppressive and so while the the force climate here must be so uh intense shouldn't there just be like way more gazelles and chickens like not not fewer I, I i'm not quite sure i think it's the the elements of the, the fact that it's it's too harsh yeah. For, for the, I think, I think it required, I think gra- grass can grow in a, in a harder place than a, a gazelle can live. Sure. Um, so I think that's more the way it, it kind of needs to be viewed uh, or that that's just the way I view it anyway. Um, but I think there's probably a shit ton of ways you can interpret that. Right. And th- that's one of the best things about these, uh, this arc is that there are certainly lots of ways you can interpret it too. Um, and the next few episodes even more so too. Uh, but Qui-Gon also says, unlike any other, a conduit, uh, in which the entire force of the universe flows describing Mortis. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it certainly is extremely powerful. Um, but the father's last couple lines as well. Um, and now you see who you truly are. Only the chosen one could tame both my children. I cannot force you to do this. This choice must be yours, but leave and your selfishness shall haunt you and the galaxy. Interesting. Uh, And I I love the selfishness because uh, George Lucas has said before that if you need to boil it all down to just the simplest terms, uh, not it's not good versus evil. It is selfishness versus selflessness. Yeah. Ego. Yeah. that, That is the example of that is that is good versus evil. That is dark. That is light. Sure. Um, no, I think so, that's, that's his, a good point. And, and that's what it is with Anakin. It's the, that his selfishness is what ultimately draws him to the dark side and makes him side with Palpatine. I mean, I know I haven't seen the, the full arc yet and we'll discuss that in the coming weeks, but it's interesting mm. to me that this is such a significant spiritual experience for Anakin, and yet it appears to bear no weight on his ultimate turn. Like, I don't have any criticisms of this episode, but I kind of am inclined, although with an asterisk, to criticize Star Wars writ large because Mortis seems like it ought to bear more water upon the overall impact of the characters. I agree with that. Uh, I think Mortis has 
I still think Mortis is very under, and I think it's, I agree, it's too important to be relegated to a few references in important other mediums. Yeah. Um, and have its own arc here. That's great. But I, I still think it needs, like, and I assume, like, in Ahsoka, for example, I think Ahsoka, there will be tangential reference, references to Mortis. Right. Uh, that you'll be able to draw. But I don't think there'll be anything direct. I think there does need to be something direct in a in a larger medium than the longest running Star Wars TV show in the dead center of its running time, uh, a three episode arc that not everybody knows about. Right. And that's why I, I think it made sense for something like the Rise of Skywalker to bring it all back. Uh, but I still think there's an opportunity for something like that down the line. And you don't even need to, like, you can do it when... Uh, the Celestials are still alive, potentially. I don't know. Like, well, there's there's maybe more stories to tell, um, like long down the way. So we'll have to wait and see. And uh, I'm uh, I'm curious to know what your what your thoughts are on the rest of the of the arc. But any other favorites that you had, or any any trivia did you pull from there? Or I do have I have three trivia questions for you. I'll start you on a Padawan question, which I'm sure you'll have no problem with. What does the father say? Some call his kind of people. You just use the term celestials, but he says something a little bit more. Yes. Uh, f- force wielders? Force wielders, yeah. Yeah. Yes, point. Yeah. Celestials is is the other term that's used for them, um, or the the gods of Mortis. Those are the, like the three main terms. Do you have trivia for me? Yep. Uh, a Padawan question is, what does Ahsoka first call uh, Mortis or the planet that they're on? Oh, goodness. I don't know. That must have been in the ship, right? Yeah. I don't recall. It says we're on we're on some kind of Oh, that rings a bell. I don't know. I only watched it the once. Organic mass. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay, that rings a bell. Uh Jedi Knight question. In what system lies Mortis? The Krilithium system. Yeah, I didn't know how to pronounce it, but <laughs> Krilithium, yeah, with a silent N on the end. Uh and interestingly, uh Obi-Wan indicates early on that he's not even sure they're still in their galaxy. They are, because they're in the Krilithium system. Um, but I wanted to ask you if there is any canonical history of main Star Wars characters actually exiting the galaxy far, far away. Does that ever occur? Um, well, there's one point that we all know that I actually don't know what the where the canonical location is so at the end of empire strikes back they're looking at a galaxy mm-hmm. it's just very clear that's what they're looking at yeah but you could also say oh that also looks like a proto star like I, I i went into a deep google dive to figure out what it was that they were exactly looking at and so it's either they are looking at the galaxy far far away or more likely a proto star. So maybe they are just on the outskirts of the galaxy, not likely in empire. Uh, I'm sure there's a canonical answer for that. I just don't know where it is. Okay. Um, there's a map, a map book somewhere that does confirm it. Um, and yeah, I'm sure there is another point, but I can't pull it. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know for, for certain, but I, I, I there must be that. I'm curious about that. I, I will look into it and get back to you, sir. <laughs> it's still a pretty comprehensive answer. <laughs> I didn't expect you to have one. Uh, okay. A Jedi Knight question for me now. Uh, 
What other Star Wars character is voiced by the the same voice actor as the son? Uh, Darth Maul. Yes. He was the other guy. The What's his and? name? Uh, oh, he also does someone else? He has done someone else as well. Palpatine? Yeah. Oh, hey. <laughs> Sam Witwer, is that his name? Yep. Yeah. See, I'm catching on. All right. That's uh, a good transition, actually, for my master question, which is a lot harder than that question. I've, this is a good question for you. Uh, name one other Star Wars character voiced by Adrian Wilkinson, who plays the daughter in this episode. Oh, that is an excellent question. Um, it's a bit of a trick question. Well, kind of. They're Star Wars characters, and she voiced them. There's two correct answers. I am going to say Mara Jade in a video game or something. Um, I'm trying to think of the the trickiness that you're. Yes, um, you're you're on you're on the right path, but it's even more obscure than that. She played Maris Brood in the Force Unleashed video game. Okay. And she played Gianna in the Old Republic video game. So she's actually been in two different Star Wars video games, and then also nice. this. But they, I guess made an effort to get other Star Wars voice actors uh, in on this episode. Yes, and uh, you will see that in the next couple ones as well. And uh, I listened to a Sam Witwer interview recently, and I'll I'll reference that after he does a little bit more talking uh, in the next episode. And you can kind of kind of see what I'm referring to. And I heard some of the, the choices that he made and then how much George Lucas and Dave Filoni like some of those choices as well. So Great. Uh, any more questions for me? That I oh, won't, yes, that the, I won't be able to answer. Uh, you, you, you actually, you, you, you might. I, I thought I, I went. I, I thought I went very reasonable on my, uh, on my questions this time. Uh, buried in the mysterious message is a Jedi distress code that hasn't been used for how long? Oh, uh, I don't know. That what a what a classic Star Wars detail too. It's the, it's the like second sentence of the, um, of the episode. Um, buried in a mysterious distress call. Right. Okay. Uh, a thousand years. Over two thousand. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna guess twenty years. <laughs> I decided to crank it up, so I was a little bit closer. <laughs> Probably a good call on that one. Uh, anything else you want to say about this? Uh, notably, this is apparently the debut of Ahsoka's second lightsaber. It's the first time you see her with a second lightsaber, which is cool. Oh, that is, uh, I wouldn't that's a really tough thing to put together when you're watching the clone wars yeah because like i know first of all there's no good way to watch it there's a chronological way and then there's the airing way and then when you go back and watch it you don't really need to watch anything in the right order because they're done in these arcs and yeah. so i i actually would never have been able to tell you that but that's actually cool uh they did a forces of destiny episode which were like these five minute shorts that they put on youtube and i think are on disney plus now maybe i could be wrong but um and she and she gets it in that one a yoda gives it to her cool nice uh, and it's kind of like a, a lime green great scoring in this episode too like some of like the operatic music uh, that's like very ominous and very prequel trilogy-esque um, yeah but the imperial march yes. just hidden in at the end that totally. was incredible anything else you uh, want to uh, say but uh, no, a bunch of great foreshadowing still to come. 
Uh, and I can't wait to talk to you about those uh, the next couple episodes. Me too. Do you have anything in the Star Wars news to discuss? Yes, absolutely. Uh, speaking of the wonderful crawls uh, and all of the uh, amazing contributions he has made, uh, Tom Kane is retiring from voice acting uh, after the stroke that he had right. uh, several months back. He has developed apraxia. Uh, and so he can only say a few kind of keywords without slurring. Uh, he's apparently in pretty good, just in, in, in general spirits, but it's a, a sick and twisted thing that one of the literally most talented voiced actors on planet earth, uh, who, who's in so many things, um, has a stroke at, at like, I think 61, if I yeah, remember that's, correctly, that's a shame. um, and loses his ability to speak. Yeah. Uh, but uh, apparently uh, his acting chops have translated well to charades. So that's, oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so that's just a, a positive spin that his family has been putting on it. And they've been uh, uh, just kind of gave that info out there. And so uh, he has many phenomenal characters and was as really, he is the second voice of Yoda in star Wars if they can't get Frank Oz, but yeah. uh, moving forward, uh, Frank Oz, I'm sure will, step up and do more and they'll have other uh, contributions, but his contributions uh, are so noticed throughout the Clone Wars that uh, especially important to talk about today. Well, something we said before uh, could still be on the table, which is that, you know, if he's precluded from, from doing some of his more, uh, more historical roles in star Wars going forward, maybe there'll be an opportunity where he wants to briefly come, come out of uh, retirement to do like a new character, which is sort of written verbally to be a little bit better, um, uh, a little bit more compatible with his uh, capabilities. I think of um, how Michael J. Fox, when he was still taking like acting yeah. roles for, for dramatic television, he was, uh, I think he said something to the effect of, I don't have to stop acting. I just have to play characters with a physical affliction. And so, you know, I, I, I don't think it's uh, it's ever off the table unless, of course, he wants to just enjoy his retirement, which is also chill. Yep, absolutely. And like you said, uh, and also in Star Wars, uh, they don't always have to speak a language that we know. So, no, exactly. Uh, yeah. you, you always have that as an option, too. Uh, but it's uh, such great contributions. Uh, and uh, it's good that he's um, at least doing, doing a little bit better. Um, other things coming out, a uh, mini documentary series, uh, seven shorts called Galaxy of Sounds. It's likely going to come out uh, on September 29th. So these, I think, are going to be similar to like the fly through things, probably really short, um, maybe just deep dives with uh, kind of explaining the history of the lightsaber sound, the history of the blaster. I don't know. Just, just guessing. That's cool. That uh, sounds good. This is, yeah, I think this was just kind of a rumor. I don't think this is confirmed. I think it's just going to be like a they'll tell, like they'll announce it the 28th, dropping this tomorrow sort of thing, but it's just kind of leaked out. Uh, Lawrence Kasdan, he's directing a six part documentary on George Lucas and ILM. Mm -hmm. And so that's extremely exciting. That could, I have no idea what will uh, be the main focus in there, but I mean, such incredibly interesting topics and somebody who George Lucas is very comfortable with and would be willing to go the extra mile to give the best uh, product to. And that that's the thing. George Lucas is, he's not going to do the, do much. He doesn't do things for other people uh, unless he really likes them. And so that's True. why you'll, you'll get a good project uh, product out of this. And that's, I, I'm really excited about this. Nice. Yeah. That sounds great. 
Uh, Marshall Lucas uh, also uh, came out a couple days ago uh, and bashed uh, basically a lot of stuff. Oh, no. Um, this is George's yeah, son? So she, uh, sorry? George's son? No, Marsha Lucas. So uh, oh, okay. his, his ex-wife. Oh, um, Marsha. Okay. Yeah. And so she, so she edited uh, A New Hope. Um, right. She won uh, an Oscar for editing A New Hope. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Deservingly so. Yes. Uh, but she, and she even mentioned, she says that uh, George is uh, very talented and, uh, and, and, and a good man. Uh, so she wasn't like trying to like be mean. Uh, she said she cried after she watched the prequels. Uh, and she, yeah, and uh, she thought they were too CG heavy, uh, and she hated when Han Solo died in The Force Awakens. She thought J.J. and Kathleen Kennedy uh, don't understand Star Wars at all. Uh, what? Really, I don't think she does. Yeah, uh, she I don't think she edited. does. <laughs> yeah, you, you're good at you, Just because you're a good editor doesn't mean you understand Star Wars, and also... Uh, if you don't, it, it, it oh, so you did, you didn't like as anything beyond the original trilogy by the sounds of it. And did you like all of the original trilogy? Because yeah. by the sounds of it, <laughs> you're not really an, an overall Star Wars fan because George was the most directly involved with the prequels and, uh, those are Star Wars DNA all over them. So, yeah, is this like a backdoor message of, support and sympathy for George because there's this online contingent of people who think that if George's hands weren't on it, it, it wasn't good. Although I guess not, not the case because he was entirely responsible for the prequels and she didn't like those either. Exactly. Well, yeah. it's weird, but, and she also kind of like, she said how much she likes Kathleen Kennedy. Um, but she also said like, give me a call though, if you guys want to understand star Wars and I'm thinking like, I don't think they need, I, I mean, JJ could maybe give somebody else a call. Right. Um, but I, th I think Kathleen uh, has John Favreau on speed dial. So I think we're OK. <laughs> it only just recently. Uh, sorry, Marcia. It just recently came to my attention that there's a contingent of uh, sequel trilogy haters. And I mean, they come in many different forms um, who specifically have a problem with The Force Awakens because of the choice to kill Han Solo, which seems so bizarre to me because Harrison Ford wanted to die in Star Wars 30 years ago. And uh it's one of the reasons that they that they hate Kylo Ren. They complain that Kylo Ren is a is a baby whiny character who kills all of your favorite characters. And like, yeah, you're mad at Kylo Ren for like killing your heroes, but like it makes the story better every single time. And Kylo Ren, yeah. I mean, if you have problems with the sequel trilogy, fine, but like how can Kylo Ren be your biggest problem with the sequel trilogy? That just doesn't make any sense to me. I, I would completely agree. I I don't know what a good argument could be for that i'd be interested in hearing one uh, but uh not a not a bad argument or someone screaming or being no. rude about it no. uh and also to be honest uh, the way she talks which said oh luke skywalker just disappears oh i'm sorry did you not edit obi-wan disappearing yeah um like I, I, hindsight and it just does not make sense the way some people think that everything they say needs to be heard right. by the masses and that it's it's super valid so i don't know I, some people a lot of people have been I, maybe giving her credit i i'm not sure what the the consensus is being but i didn't think any of her comments were were really that valuable necessary. yeah uh and 
what was the other thing that she said? Um, anyway, she, she said another thing that, oh, uh, that uh, Leia was barely uh, in it. And I was thinking like, yeah, that's what happens if she, the actress passes away. Yeah, their hands were kind of tied. They didn't have a whole lot of options at the end yeah. of the day. I'm, I'm thinking like <laughs> they had, they literally had to rewrite the last movie because yeah. she was the main, like one of the main characters. Like, she still got first bill. Like it, it, that was one of the dumbest parts. That's of all so of goofy. Oh my goodness. Yeah. 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 That's so sad. But anyway, uh, another huge piece of news that came out right after we did our last podcast, I think. Um, and that would be that KOTOR, Knights of the Old Republic, is being remade. Yeah. Uh, in full for PS5 mm-hmm. uh, and then PC and maybe other stuff as well. Uh, but. This looks to be in the highest of quality graphics. They're completely building it from the ba- uh, the bottom up. Uh, we don't know to what degree they may or may not change some things, but that's kind of TBD. Uh, I'm going to guess they're not going to change much, but I would love it if they made if they corrected all the quick fix canon contradictions. Mm-hmm. And then allowed it to still be a story that can exist in legends, but things like uh, history of kyber crystals and the way that those work. Just forget the legends way and just go with the new canon way and just like correct those couple things just so that it could be a little bit smoother. And this could be incredible. How much of a of a sandbox game is is Kotor, or is it li- a little bit more storybook? Uh... No, it's it's very very wide open, open world. Awesome. Yeah, it's not it's quite as open world as like Star Wars Galaxies. I don't think. I think that would be the most RPG of the video games. Okay. Uh, but it's extremely open world. That's that's very much the point. And it's you are the like you make a lot of decisions. It is very story driven, mm-hmm. very story driven. But it is you make a lot of decisions, and you can change the story um, as well. And so cool. there are some big overarching effects. Uh, but you have impact on the story too. And Great. so that's uh, a very interesting aspect. And that's what also makes it kind of impossible to make canon anyway. Right. Like Legends had uh, at the time a canonical version of of Revan. So basically you can play it however you want, but for for books, this is how the story went. And so it may make just sense for Legends just to kind of keep a time period where you can have it as legend and i mean maybe star wars wants to do that just for like they may want to pick a time period like okay everything 4000 bc uh, or sorry not bc uh bby <laughs> uh for the battle of Yavin, uh is let's just say that we can classify it as as legends because it's not archivally uh confirmable i don't right. know how you want to do it but there, there's options like that and with visions coming out right right around the corner so many people have seen that now uh it's coming out in just a couple hours but um for, for us as we record this uh but that's another thing that's going to be flirting the line kind of with this legends in a canon world so uh how that's received will maybe make a bit of an impact on how kotor is handled right right i i have a bit of a of an Star Wars uh, bulletin. Obviously, cool. the Mandalorian didn't win any uh, Emmys at like the main event this past uh, Sunday evening. So like Favreau, Filoni, uh, they got but shut out. The other ones. 
Yeah, the, there were some like creative arts, which is really not surprising because like technically speaking, obviously the, the show was very proficient. Was it really seven? Wow, that's pretty good. Yes. And then uh, I also notably, I think uh, this is Star Wars adjacent. Uh, Ewan McGregor won his first Emmy for for the Halston show on on Netflix, and so um, obviously he's part of the fam. Yes, and he also said, uh, "I think it will not disappoint." In referencing Kenobi, there's not much else he could say. Right. That was the, the the takeaway line, and of course, what else is he going to say? But that he had a lot of fun doing it too. I didn't know that he was like in a long term relationship with and has a baby with Mary Elizabeth Winstead. She's just like sitting yeah. there at, at his table, and I had no idea that the two of them were in the same world at all. Yeah, I think that just like happened um, just because Ewan McGregor is in my feeds for Star Wars. I just get Ewan McGregor news. Yeah. Uh, and so I think, uh, unfortunately, as much as we all love Ewan McGregor, and it does seem like he, like, it was not, um, it, it, it ended up good in, in the in the end, but I, it was, I think, a fairly messy process where he just kind of uh, left his wife of 20 some odd years. Really? Um, I don't think I knew that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But uh, <laughs> a, a, anyway, at, at least he's at least he's married again, and it wasn't for the worst of things. But uh, yes, well, they're together anyway. They seem to have happiness. And congrats on his Emmy. Yes. And uh, speaking of Kenobi, uh, Sung Kang uh, has confirmed that he will be wielding a lightsaber uh, in Kenobi, and Good. that really aligns with uh, the rumor that he's going to be the fifth brother, and that he'll be the Inquisitor, uh, kind of working directly for Vader in this. Uh, and uh, that's just exciting. I want to see Inquisitors in this. That's very, very uh, encouraging to hear. Uh, Book of Boba Fett, uh, apparently uh, just other things. It's it's very ass-kicking. Uh, it's supposed to really exceed expectations. Uh, that's what you want. is a big part of it. Uh, you want also, it to be kind of violent. To, do you want to hear the rumored titles of the episodes? Sure, yes. Don't know if these are for uh, true, but uh, the rumors are and there are... Uh, Eight, and that is, that aligns with what we've heard initially. We did think it was going to be four, and then I then uh, four or six, and then it was think, looking like six. Um, and then we had heard recently it was going to be eight, and this, this confirms that if these are true. Uh, episode one, the champion. Uh, episode two, the assassin. Okay. Episode three, the syndicate. Mm -hmm. Episode four, the battleground. Episode five, the home world. Episode six, the warlord. Episode seven, the showdown. Episode eight, the hunter. Well, those are some good titles. Do you think those the, are all? Do you think the home world could refer to Camino? It's uh, exactly what I thought of. Oh, it's baby, the most logical one. Let's go and to Camino. Boy, would that be cool? It would be so that cool. Would be cool. Yeah. Uh, and the showdown, uh, who knows what that could mean. Uh, there's a character I've uh, mentioned before, Cad Bane, yep. uh, who is essentially the, the best bounty hunter in the galaxy after Django dies uh, and was right alongside Django during Django's era, um, but really during the Clone Wars. And he was relied on by Palpatine heavily as well. Um, and uh, he was going to die in the final season of the clone wars before the clone wars got canceled and then they never aired those episodes and so he's in this kind of like where is the future of this character going 
and there's some other things that have been going on in canon that definitely lead us to believe that he could arrive in the Bad Batch. And so he could be one of the characters that uh, is maybe the showdown of sorts. I'm curious to know what the champion is in reference to in episode one. Yeah. As to like, how is that going to like, what is that kicking off? What is he the champion of? Um, how much flashback versus uh revenge on a new story are we going to get but these also could not be the episode titles we did get rumored leaked titles for mando season two and while a couple of them were really really close um it, my guess is that just means that that person had some good guesses <laughs> yeah it's a <laughs> it's a bigger guess. it's a bigger coup to learn that there's probably eight episodes in the season which i didn't know until just now and that's if that is in fact the case, which you know you seem to indicate is is probable, that's mm. exciting uh, because that's a yep. much beefier chunk of Star Wars than I expected at Christmas. Yeah, no, it's very much uh, it, the more and more uh, times that it's been referred to as like Mando season two point five. Yeah, uh, and then it's been there was a couple reports recently in leaks that it, it was eight as opposed to the the earlier believed um, shorter number, and that it was. Uh, and that they're like it's it's full fledged in their longer episodes and same with like the like the andor andors scheduled to be a longer show i'm not sure how long the episodes for kenobi are scheduled to be i think if i'm not mistaken i, I think the rumor just to be around the standard length of, of these stand of these other episodes yeah. but um yeah like M mando has kind of created these weird length episodes now so we have such a, a broad range of anywhere from the 21 minutes to uh, your, your your standard hour, so who knows? Uh, anything else in the news? No, just that uh, visions is right around the corner, and uh, I'm excited to talk more uh, more news with you next week, and uh, talk with visions as well, and some other things that are probably in the news for sure. Happy birthday on Wednesday, September 22nd, to Richard Marquand, a past Star Wars director, uh, and on Saturday we've got a, a heavy hitter, uh, a double heavy hitter. September 25th, uh, happy birthday to Donald Glover and Mark Hamill. So doesn't get any bigger than that. Uh, for this week's episode of the podcast, we took a look at uh, season three, episode 15 of The Clone Wars. It's called Overlords. It's part one of three in uh, what Ross dubs the Mortis arc. And so next week, we're going to watch season three, episode 16. So if you want to uh, have caught up to us by then, I would say watch uh, those two two episodes in the meantime if you have any thoughts on on mortis or in this episode or any star wars thing we discussed so far of course you can always email recorder 66 podcast at gmail.com or you can tweet at recorder 66 um, please rate and review on your preferred podcast app uh, i think we're on all of them and if you're joining us on youtube be sure to like and subscribe and until we are together again in the force be with you